Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for the Bridge Church online experience. God has incredible things in store for us today. We'd like to go ahead and take a moment, give our parents time to to get prepped and get their kids on their tablet, a phone, get all that information up there so that they can enjoy their Bridge Kids service. You can find that information on thebridgechurch.tv and click on the Kids button. Or you could go to the Bridge Kids Facebook page. Speaking of social media, we would love to see how your family is worshiping today. So maybe during our time of worship today, go ahead and take a picture or take a short video, post that on Facebook or Instagram, and be sure to tag the Bridge Church in it. God has amazing things in store for us today. But before we get into our time of worship, we'd like to keep everybody connected. So let's take a moment and watch church news. Hey, church family, we've got some awesome things coming up, and we are especially excited about the Bridge School of Ministry launching on September 26th. So maybe you feel called to ministry, or maybe you're trying to figure out what area of ministry you're called to, whether it's worship or pastoral or kids or youth or men's or women's, then this is the place for you. We want to help you walk into the future that God has for you. You can check out our website to find the application, but remember the registration deadline is coming up really soon, August 31st. So check out the website and all the details today. And Bridge Youth is happening this Wednesday at 7 p.m. They're continuing in their series, Some Assembly Required. So be sure to check it out on YouTube or our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Our Sunday night outdoor services have been so incredible. And we can't wait to see you tonight. You know, there's such a great time for the entire family. So bring the kids and we can't wait to see you at 6 p.m. this evening. If you're joining us for the first time today for our Bridge Church online experience, we want to say thank you so much. We'd also like to direct your attention to our church website. From there, you can click on the Connect tab. From there, you can also fill out our digital Connect card, and we can connect with you and get you plugged in with everything that's happening here at the Bridge Church. We would also like to remind everybody, all of our latest happenings, all of our latest updates are on our church app. You can simply text the words, the Bridge Church app to 77977. We'd also just like to get everybody prepped. It's that time. It's time to stand up to your feet and it's time to worship the Lord. We're so thankful that you've joined us this morning. Hey, wherever you're at, let's give God praise in the comment section right now for his goodness, for his grace, for his mercy, for his love. And wherever you're watching, whether it's in your living room or your backyard, we're gonna make that a house of worship. So would you join in with us as we sing about his goodness? Come on, church, let's sing it out. Worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. 
God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, my life, you have been Goodness of God. 
Good morning, Bridge Church. I wanted to step into this part of the service right at the end of that song because it talks about giants and it talks about physical needs, but then it talks about healing. It talks about those giants falling. It talks about the miraculous power of God. And you know, today, right there in your home, as we're having online service on Sunday morning, God is there with you today. He inhabits the praise of his people. And as you're sitting there worshiping God today, I want to tell you, God still answers prayer. We're not getting an opportunity to see too many of you on a regular basis. And I don't know everything going on in your life today, but God does and God cares. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a spiritual need. Maybe it's material or financial. Maybe it's something going on in your home, your marriage, with your kids. God cares about it. And today, I want to take a moment and I want to remind you that when the Spirit of God moves, miraculous things begin to happen. All of us need God's intervention in our lives from time to time to turn some circumstances around. And today, I want to pray with you and I want to believe God to work in your life. So if you're all alone there, I want you to wrap your heart around God. If you've got a spouse or somebody there with you, you might just want to join hands in agreement. But let's pray right now for whatever's going on in your life. Let's join together. Father, today we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, that your power is not limited. Your love, your desire to work in our lives has not changed. The ministry of Jesus continues today through the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray today that you would be God in people's lives in a big, big way. That right now you would step into living rooms or wherever people are hearing this service. God, step into that room, step into that place and show up in a big way. God, I thank you today that you're a healer. and We ask you to bring healing to people's bodies. You're a deliverer. I ask that you would separate people from the pain of the past, from the things that they're dealing with, maybe old habits and bondage. Separate them and free them now. Father, I ask for those who have material needs. God, this is such an unusual season. But as we focus on you and as we look to you to be our source, step into our circumstances and provide in miraculous ways as only you can do. For we trust you today. And Father, we thank you. We lift our hands and our hearts right now. We thank you that you're working in families. You're working in marriages. You're working in children's lives. And even in this unusual season, you're still God, and you do great things. Thank you for your work today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today for making your house God's house. It's going to be a great online service today. But i got a couple things I want to share before we get into God's Word today. The first thing is, you have been so faithful in your giving these last five months well, we've been in this unusual season, and I just want to say thank you. And I want to remind you, you know, we just had Back to School Bash. We've increased our missions giving that's allowing God's Word to go out to new places around the world, Europe, India, uh, Ukraine, different parts of the world. Your money that you give to God's work, it's making a difference in people's lives. And I want to say thank you today. It's making a difference right here in the Bridge Church at home as well. And there are different ways you can give. I don't want to ask for a thing today. I just want to thank you for your faithfulness as you honor God with your resources. 
And then the other thing is, I'm excited to remind you, and we announced it last weekend, next Sunday morning, August 30th, we're going to have our next reopening service on Sunday morning at 9.30 right here at the Bridge Church. We're going to have social distancing in place. Every other role will be closed off. We'll be sending you more instructions this week. It's going to be a great, great time of gathering. And this service is especially for those who have that strong conviction that even in this unusual season, we need to gather together on Sunday mornings and worship God. Now, I realize that not everyone will want to be there. That's fine. There's no condemnation in this. We're going to continue doing live stream at 9.30 and 11.30. For those of you who want to watch from home, we're going to continue Sunday evening, 6 p.m. services out in the plaza. For those who want to gather outside, those have been great gatherings. We're going to keep doing Bridge Kids on Sunday morning and Youth on Wednesday night online. We're going to continue doing all that we're doing, but we're going to add this one Sunday morning service at 9.30 indoors for those who desire it. And for those of you who might say, well, I'm just not comfortable with that right now. That's fine. We honor your decision and we simply ask you to honor those who have that strong conviction they need to be in God's house. God bless you. We're trying to minister to as many people as possible, even in this unusual season. Now, we're going to hear a great message from Pastor Zach as he brings God's word to us today. Good morning, church. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. I'll add my welcome as well. I know that you've already been welcomed this morning, but we're so glad that you're spending your Sunday morning with us as a church, and we're really excited to be able to gather with you next week as well. We're going to get into God's Word right now, so if you have your Bible, meet me in Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. And the title of this message today is, It's Better to Give. It's Better to Give. Before we jump in, let's pray today and invite God to be with us, all right? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's light to us, that it brings us into the life that you have for us, that it speaks truth into our lives, that it brings correction, but that it walks us into your very best for us. And we trust you with that today, God. So we give you our attention, we give you our our heart, we give you our ears to hear your word, and we promise to be doers of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I told you that the title of this message today is It's Better to give. And that word give is a really interesting word because even as Christians, when we hear it, one of the things that can happen is automatically we'll think about money, right? I know that for me, that used to be the way that I thought about it. When I would hear that word give or generosity, I would automatically think about money. And for many of us, what we do is we say, whoa, 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 hold on, God. I'm willing to give you my heart. I'm willing to give you my life. I'm willing to give you this area and this area and this area of my life, but not that area of my life because I got bills to pay. I got expenses. I got a savings account I got to grow. I have a retirement that I need I need to fund. And we think about all of these things, and then we say, God, and whatever I have left, then I'll be willing to give it to you. 
And for many of us, when we think about giving and generosity, if that's our mentality, then what will happen is we'll miss out on all of the blessing that God wants to bring into our life by building things in our life that we can't build on our own. Now, that's one group of people, but then there's the the rest of us, right? Some of us, maybe we've learned that principle of generosity and putting God first and honoring with our tithe and offerings and sowing and reaping and receiving from God. And we've learned that in the area of our finance and our resource, but maybe we haven't learned about godly generosity in other areas of our life. And that's really what I want to talk about today. How do we grow and cultivate a heart and a spirit of generosity, not just in our finances, but in every single area of our life. I have to be honest with you this morning and just be transparent. One of the reasons why I've been wanting to share this message is because this is something that God's been growing and building in my life. And I can't preach it to you if I'm not going to live it myself. And I really feel like this is something that God's been stirring in my life and in my family's life over these last few months. And I want to talk about this with you today. You know, God is not just wanting us to grow in our Christ-like behaviors. He's wanting us to grow and become more Christ-like in our heart and in our spirit. He's wanting us to grow and be made into his image, to be transformed into his image. And there's all kinds of scriptural evidence, evidence that teaches us this. And I really want to emphasize this and make sure that we understand. God doesn't want us just to take on these habits of activity or habits of doing. He wants us to be more like Christ, more like Christ because if we get the being right, the doing will follow. And let me just throw a few passages of scripture at you real quick, and this will just be rapid fire. We won't have these all on the screen for you, but this is all the scriptural evidence that we have that God is wanting to continually make us into his image. This is what 1 John 2 and verse 6 says, he who says he abides in Jesus ought himself also to walk as Jesus walked. Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Romans 8 and verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And then finally in Philippians 2 and verse 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. God is not wanting just to change our behavior, to change our actions, to change our deeds. He's wanting to change us because if we change, so will our activities, so will our deeds, so will our habits and our actions. Now, when it comes to being made into the image of God, one of the things that we have to understand is that when this topic of generosity comes up, the reason why we need to grow in our generosity is because God is generous. If we're going to be made into his image and transformed into his image, then just like God, we too need to become generous. And there's all kinds of evidence, again, that we see from Scripture that God himself is generous. So again, if God is generous, then we should be generous in every area of our life as well. Here's some scriptural evidence for you. Again, rapid fire. James 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Again, James 1 verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Matthew 7 and verse 11, this is one of my most favorite scriptures. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, <clears throat> excuse me, Psalm 37, 4. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then finally, the greatest scripture of them all about God's generosity, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son to us, for us, on our behalf, so that he can come down and give his life away for us. We see all throughout scripture that God wants to make us more into the image of Christ, and we also see that God is a generous God. So therefore, if God is generous, then I need to grow in my generosity. Now that brings us back to where we started. I told you that we were going to look at Acts chapter 20, and there's a couple of verses of scripture specifically that I want to look at today and talk about this idea that it's better to give. Now here's some context. In Acts 20, the Apostle Paul is actually speaking to the elders of the Ephesian church. And he's talking about how throughout his life and throughout his ministry, God has supplied all of his needs. He's provided for him in every area of his life. God has been generous to him. And now what he's saying is, since God has been generous to us, we need to learn how to be generous to others who are in need or those who need help as well. And this is what he says in Acts 20, starting in verse 34. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. Verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. He's talking about helping those who are in need. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to to receive. You might know that phrase pretty well. You might think that it's one that comes out at Christmas time when we see commercials on TV, ads on the radio, things on the internet where people say it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So spend your money on our products so that we can make a profit and you can give that thing away that you just purchased. And that's kind of what we tend to think is that this is something that comes out in the holiday season or that that quote is actually a man-made quote. Maybe you didn't know that Paul actually uses that and says that that was spoken directly By Jesus. Now, this is kind of a mysterious passage of Scripture for a couple of reasons. The first reason why is because Paul attributes this quote, this phrase, to Jesus. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But the reason why it's kind of mysterious is because if you actually look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, none of those four Gospel writers attribute that phrase to Jesus. It doesn't show up anywhere in the Gospel accounts. Does that mean that Jesus didn't say it? No, of course not. There's all kinds of reasons why it could have been attributed to Jesus and that still be accurate, mainly because the Apostle Paul would have been friends and in relationship and fellowship with many of those disciples and apostles who did walk personally with Jesus. So for all we know, that teaching of Jesus, it could have been a staple that was established in those apostles' lives and it was given from one person to the next and they knew that Jesus said, hey, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But I think one of the other reasons why that passage of Scripture and that verse specifically is so mysterious is because when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, that totally goes against my human nature. If I'm really honest and just being, again, transparent with you today, it seems more blessed to receive than it does to give. Why? Because when I receive, I'm accumulating more, I'm gaining more, I'm receiving more. And when I give, I'm losing something, right? Isn't that the way that our minds work? We think that when we give something away, we're losing something. So if somebody else has something, that means that I now have less. And I know for me, if I'm really, really honest with you, that's the way I tend to think in my natural mind. 
I think one of the things that we have to understand here is that there's a principle that Paul is establishing that he's trying to get these elders in the Ephesian church to understand that we become more like God when we recognize that it's more blessed to give of what we have than to simply be always on the receiving end. And in the time that we have today, I want to give you three points from three quick stories that involve Jesus in the Gospels, okay? So I want to start, if you go with, go with me to Mark chapter 10. And the first point I want to give you at the very beginning of this passage of Scripture is simply this. We need to learn to be a river and not a reservoir. Be a river and not a reservoir. Growing in our generosity. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 of Jesus encountering a man that we know as the rich young ruler. This is a pretty famous passage of Scripture, but the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Good teacher, tell me, what is it that I need to do if I want to inherit eternal life? And Jesus sees the rich young ruler and sees all the things that are going through his head. And he looks at him and he says, well, you need to keep the laws. And the, the, the rich young ruler tells him, I've kept all the commands since my youth. And he tells him all the commands that he's kept. And he looks at everything that he's accumulated in life. And he says, I have status. I have all the religious boxes checked. I have all the possessions. I have all the stuff. I've got life figured out. I got money in my bank account. I funded my retirement accounts. Everything is good. I'm the envy of society. What do I have to do if I want to make sure that I have security? I already have security in this life. What do I have to do to find security in the life that is to come? Scripture says here in Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, loved him, and said to him, There's one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word. The rich young ruler was sad at this word, word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Now I want you to pause right there at verse 24 for just a moment, because one of the things that I picture in this, in this scene that's unfolding is the rich young ruler, the guy who seems to have everything figured out. Again, he's checked all the religious boxes. He's kept all these commands, or so he says. He's established himself in society as somebody who has many great possessions. Again, he's got money in the bank account. He's probably got the retirement all figured out. He's good. He's the envy of everybody around him. And there he is standing with Jesus, someone who was there to give his life away, and a group of disciples who looked at this man and figured, that man has everything that we don't have. The disciples stood there astonished at Jesus looking at the rich young ruler and saying, if you want to gain eternal life, then you need to be willing to part with everything that gives you a sense of security in this life. The disciples were astonished at this. And it's interesting because it says that the rich young ruler walked away sorrowful. Let's go back one more time and look at verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at Jesus' words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Now watch what Peter says in the middle of this exchange. Then Peter began to say to Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. 
Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come also receive eternal life. Now here's what's so interesting about this. Jesus looks at this rich young ruler and he recognizes that he has built up something so great. He's accumulated something so great for himself in this life that this accumulation and these riches and this wealth that he has is the thing that is giving him his sense of security. And what Jesus realizes is that his accumulation has now become idolatry. This thing has become his God. It has become the Lord of his life. And what's so fascinating and so interesting about this passage right here is that the rich young ruler is so sorrowful at the words of Jesus when Jesus says, if you want to gain eternal life, you're going to have to lay down this thing. You're going to have have to take all of your security, all of your riches, all of your wealth and remove it from the throne of your life. And if you'll do that, if you'll give it away to be a blessing to somebody else and come and follow me, then you can discover what it means to have eternal life. And the rich young ruler hears this word and he walks away sorrowful. And the disciples recognize that they've walked away from everything to follow Jesus, but the rich young ruler is unwilling to part with his possessions to follow Jesus too. What's so fascinating about it is after the rich young ruler has gone his way, Jesus then turns to the disciples and says, there's nobody that gives all of these things up who will not also inherit these things a hundredfold, who will not receive a 100-fold return in this life and also receive eternal life. What's interesting about that promise is that the rich young ruler never stuck around long enough to hear the other end of what Jesus was going to say. The rich young ruler thought to himself, if I lay all of this down, I'm giving up all of my security. And I think that that's the way a lot of us think when it comes to generosity. We think that if we give away this stuff that gives us our sense of security, that we're going to be left with nothing. We're going to have less. We're going to be in lack. We're not going to have enough. We're not going to have everything that we need to survive and to thrive in life. And sometimes we don't stick around and give it enough of a chance for God to prove himself in our lives. Instead, we say, no, I would rather have this sense of security, so I'm not going to lay down these things that have now become the Lord of my life. And see, what Jesus was going to tell him on the other end of a decision to lay those things down was if you lay those things down, there's still blessing that's going to come your way in this life, but you'll still have that great sense of purpose in life and a sense of security in eternity. And I'm fascinated by that passage of scripture because when I look at this, I realize that there's something inside of me that sometimes wants to hold on to what God gives me rather than give it away and be a river instead of a reservoir. You know, a lot of us, we find our sense of security in the things that we can accumulate. If more things can come to me, then I can build those things up like walls, like a fortress around my life that give me that great sense of security that I have everything I need in life. But there's going to come a day where we're going to reach the end of our life and recognize that all the blessing that God wants to bring into our life isn't just for us to hold on to. It's for us to give away. Because we're not called to be reservoirs. We're called to be rivers. What's a river? A river is something that flows. It's continually moving because there's a source that, mo- that pushes things into the river, water into the river. And of course, the river pushes that water out. So there's an inlet and an outlet. The river in and of itself doesn't stop and hold on. The river is simply pushing out what is coming in. And I think a lot of us as Christians have to learn what it means to be generous the way that God is generous and recognize that we're called to be rivers and not reservoirs. 
You know, there was a show that was on TV, and I've referred to this before, but this show started on TV about 10 years ago, and you might be familiar with the show. It's called Hoarders. And I remember the first time that I ever watched the show Hoarders with my wife, I was just disgusted with what I saw. Because on Hoarders, you have these people that have built up all of these things in their homes, and it's this filthy mess of stuff that means so much to them, and they're so unwilling to part with it. I can't lose this piece of trash. I can't lose this box, this thing that I've been holding onto that gives me a sense of, of, of security and value, and I'm unwilling to part with it. If anybody were to take it, oh my gosh, I can't part with that thing. And the rest of the world looks in at the thing that these hoarders are building up and says, oh my gosh, what a disgusting mess. But to them, it's everything. It's their world. It's what's familiar. It's their identity. It's their sense of security. And they don't want this disgusting mess to be taken away from them. And I think sometimes that when we choose to only be reservoirs and not rivers, we can look around at everything we accumulate and the blessing that God's bringing into our life. And we can hold on and hold on and hold on. And God sooner or later says, I'm not going to bless that anymore because you're choosing to be a reservoir and not a river. What's really interesting about it is there was actually a spinoff of the show a few years later, and it was called Hoarders Buried Alive, talking about people who literally had no more space in their homes because they had accumulated so much stuff that it was taking over their life. It was affecting their health. Their homes were sick because of all the stuff they were accumulating and the disgusting mess that was being made. And I think for a lot of us, we want to accumulate things that give us a sense of security, but what we don't realize is that we are being buried alive with idolatry and things that give us a temporary sense of security when God is asking us to lay those things down and be rivers, not reservoirs. I want to tell you today that God is calling you to be a river where things get through you. If God brings it to you, he wants to get it through you. He wants you to be a river and not a reservoir. One of the best examples I can give you of this in my own personal life is after my wife and I got married, we've been married for over nine years now, and um, you know we're still pretty young at this and still trying to figure it all out, but I'll never forget, we were working full-time jobs while also giving so much of our life away in ministry. And I was getting the opportunity to preach a whole lot more in the first couple of years of our marriage, and there was one night where somebody came up to me after a message and put a few hundred dollars in my hand and just said, hey man, I just wanted to bless you with this. And it was huge to us because, you know, it was hard for us to just pay our rent at that time. And, you know, we were just really trying to survive, if I'm being honest with you, and keep our heads above water. And I'll never forget, I was driving home one day and I had this money in my pocket. And as I was walking to our apartment, there was a dumpster that was across the street from our apartment where we took our trash to. And there was a man and his wife who were in this dumpster pulling toys out. And their daughter was sitting in the car seat of the truck that was parked right there outside of the dumpster. And I remember looking over and seeing that little girl, and I didn't have any kids yet. I remember looking over and seeing that little girl in the back of that truck in the car seat with you know, the doors closed and the air conditioning on while her parents were in that dumpster trying to find toys that they could take home and clean up. And I remember walking over there, and I knew I had this money in my pocket. And so I took $100 out of my pocket, and I walked up, and I gave it to this man. And I said, hey, I don't know if you need help or if there's some things that you're needing, but I just, I feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. And I knew in my heart that the money that was in my pocket that had been given to me was not for me. It was for somebody else that day. And I walked up to this man and he said, oh, no, 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 please, it's okay. And he didn't want to take anything from me. And he picked up these toys that he had collected from this dumpster. And he said, these are nice toys. They can be cleaned up and we can give it to our kids. And it just broke my heart because, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a, a wealthy home. I didn't grow up where we had this enormous abundance. But I can't ever remember a time in my life where my parents had to go and do that to make sure that I had toys to play with. And I was just heartbroken. And I thought to myself, you know what? 
It's hard for us to pay our rent right now, but we've just been given an abundance. And scripture says that God gives seed to the sower. And if I want to grow in generosity and become more like God, then I have to recognize the opportunity where God brings blessing to my life, but wants to get it through my life and be a blessing to somebody else. And I remember learning that lesson that day, and I can't tell you what the tangible fruit was or the, the tangible reaping was from that seed that we sowed that day, but one thing I can tell you is that God has continued to grow us as we've listened to the Holy Spirit and we found opportunities to be generous. Again, I'm not a wealthy man, I'm not a rich man by any means, don't have great material possessions, but we have seen God over the years grow us and mature us and, and just really bring us forward in life, and we are so grateful, but I can tell you that one of the biggest lessons we had to learn was to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and when God brought blessing to our life, a lot of the times he wanted to get blessing through our life to somebody else. And if we want to grow in God, then he's going to want to grow us in our generosity. He's going to want us to be rivers and not reservoirs. All right? So learn to be a river and not a reservoir. Here's the second thing I want to tell you, a second story and principle I want to look at. Number two, learn to be a forgiver and not a forsaker. Learn to be a forgiver and not a forsaker. Now that we've moved past money and financial things, let's talk about the other areas of our life where God wants us to be generous. There's a lot of scriptural evidence that when it comes to the area of forgiveness, God wants us to be generous. He wants us to go out of our way to forgive. He wants us to look for reasons to forgive. And like I said, generosity is something that applies to so many areas of our life, not just our finances, not just our, our treasure, not just our material things. It applies to so many other areas of our life. And the area of forgiveness is one area where we need to learn to grow and to be more generous. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus is invited into the home of a Pharisee, a man named Simon. And I want to read this passage of Scripture to you real quick and just tell you this story. We'll get through this quickly. Luke 7 and verse 40. Jesus is, comes to this man named Simon, and as he sat down, there's a woman that comes into the house and recognizes that Jesus is the man who's forgiving people of their sins. He's doing miracles, and she sees Jesus as a gracious and merciful man, and she runs in, and most scholars think that this woman was most likely a prostitute. And that she was a sinful person of a, a bad reputation. And she runs in and she begins to cry and just pour out her love and her tears and her affection on the feet of Jesus. And it says that she, she takes out this jar of great value, this anointing jar of oil, of fragrant oil. And she pours it on Jesus' feet. And she washes his feet and anoints his feet with that jar of great fragrant oil, valuable fragrant oil. And this man, Simon, who was a Pharisee, sat there in judgment of this woman because she was sinful and sat there in judgment of Jesus because he would accept her into his presence. And Scripture says that this man, Simon, said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is and he would not accept her into his presence. Now look at verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And then we had nothing with which to repay. He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love them more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave the greater debt. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet 
with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, remember that, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now I love this passage of scripture. And over the last few months, Pastor Gary has actually talked about forgiveness a couple of different times. And I really felt strongly to talk about this today because I think sometimes we take the topic of forgiveness way too lightly. Jesus is invited into this Pharisee's home, this religious man. Anybody that should have understood forgiveness, of all the people that should have understood forgiveness, surely Simon the Pharisee would have understood forgiveness and been willing to lend it. But as he invites Jesus in, he begins to judge this woman, this sinful woman of bad reputation. He judges her for her sin and judges Jesus because of the fact that he's accepted her into his presence. And what's so interesting about this is Jesus gives this parable about forgiveness and the one who's forgiven more loves more and has more gratitude in their heart. But what's so interesting about this to me is that Simon the whole time fails to realize that he himself is sinful. Simon was sinful, just like that woman, just like me, just like you. He too had to be forgiven by God of his sins. And even though he was a religious man, even though he was a Pharisee, and even though the sin in his life might not have been as great or as publicly noted as this woman's sin, he too was a sinful man and he had no room to point the finger. I want to just say to you today when it comes to this area of forgiveness, we can never be too generous in the area of forgiveness. Why? Because God has forgiven each and every one of us greatly. And if God has been forgiving to me, then I need to choose to be forgiving to others. It's so interesting. When you look throughout Scripture, there's a lot of talk, especially in the ministry of Jesus, of forgiveness. But I just want to refer to a couple things real quick. And you know this very well. In Matthew chapter 18, we're not going to go there and have the screen or the, the verse on the screen for you. But Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if my brother sins against me, how many times... Do I need to forgive him? Do I need to forgive him up to seven times? I mean, hey, that's the number of completion, right? So I've forgiven seven times. Surely I don't have to do it the eighth. And Jesus says seven times, Peter, you need to learn to forgive your brother or your sister who sins against you 70 times seven. Jesus isn't saying that when you get to number 490, you don't stop forgiving at 491. No, Jesus is using a multiplication number that says, listen, it doesn't matter if someone sins against you in multiplied fashion. You continue to forgive. You continue to forgive. You continue to forgive. Why? Because if there's no better reason because of the fact that God continues to forgive me, I should continue to forgive others. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, we also see that Jesus talks about how if we are unwilling to forgive our brothers and our sisters, that God is unwilling to forgive us. You know, I look back at the beginning of my walk with God, and one of the things I'm most grateful for is that God accepted me in. He forgave me. He redeemed me from my sin. He forgave me for all the stuff that was wrong in my life. And at that point of entry, I walk into a relationship where I experience the grace and the mercy of Jesus. But there comes a point at which I become responsible. I'm accountable for what I know. And if I know that God has forgiven me and he's forgiven me in multiplied fashion over and over and over again, then in the same fashion of a multiplied way, I need to be willing to forgive other people. And I got to be really honest with you. I don't think there's many things worse to experience as a Christian than when you talk to another Christian brother or a Christian sister 
And they talk about how good God is. Man, God's good. He's been so good to me. He's gracious and he's merciful and he's forgiven me and he's just blessed me. And, you know, God is good all the time. And they give you all the Christian jargon. And in the very next breath, they tell you how much they hate their friends, how much they hate their neighbor, how much they hate their family members. There's nothing worse than that. Why? Because all of us were sinful people. And the thing that God continually gives us over and over and over again is forgiveness. And if God has given that to us, then surely we need to be able to step outside of ourselves and recognize if I'm imperfect and everybody else is imperfect, God forgives me, I need to be willing to forgive them also. And I think that one of the worst testimonies that we can have as Christians is gratefulness to God, but unforgiveness toward other people. I want to say this to you today. You might want to write this down. If we don't give forgiveness to others, we forego forgiveness ourselves. If we don't give forgiveness to others, we forego forgiveness ourselves. This past week, I was preparing for this message, and I sat down with Pastor Corey in his office, our youth pastor. And I was just asking Corey and J.J. Rodriguez, one of our student leaders, I asked him, I said, hey, what's, you know, just some areas where God is calling us to be generous, outside of our finance, outside of our money. And Corey spoke up, and he talked about the area of forgiveness. And he was telling me a personal story, and I don't want to speak for Corey, but He was just talking about some of his own upbringing, some of the scars, some of the internal wounds that he held on to and that he carried for many years of his life. And he said, man, when I started following Christ, one of the greatest things about that relationship was that God had forgiven me. He'd wiped the slate clean and had a fresh start and a new start with God. And he said, and here I am walking out this relationship with Jesus. He goes, and I arrive at this passage of scripture that says, if I don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive me. He said, just like that, man, God just started bringing to mind all these people in my life and my family and my past, people that had hurt me who I had been unwilling to extend forgiveness to. He said, I began to realize, you know, God accepted me into that family, into his family with love and grace and forgiveness. There comes a point at which I'm accountable for what I know. And now I know that I have to extend forgiveness to other people. He said, I just began making decisions. I'm going to forgive. I would reach out. I would call people. I would send that text, send that email, write that letter to tell people, hey, this thing that happened, even if you don't feel like you were in the wrong, I just want you to know, I forgive you for that and I'm not holding any hard feelings. I thought, wow, what a sign of maturity that we choose to be generous in forgiving. And here's the thing about generosity. Generosity, true generosity, is when it costs us something. And sometimes by reaching out to forgive somebody that's wronged you, you might feel like you're giving something away even though you weren't the one who did the thing that was wrong. But being generous in forgiveness reaches out and says, this is going to cost me something, but I choose to forgive because I'm not going to allow that thing that happened back there to hold on to me. I'm going to let go of it. I choose to forgive, and I'm going to forgive liberally and generously. And that's the kind of forgiving that God does to us, so why would we not also do it? to others. And I want to just say one other thing because I feel very strongly about this for those who are watching today. You know, we, we've talked about forgiveness a couple times this year. And I know that for a lot of us, we, we kind of think as forgiveness is this word that comes up in scripture a lot and it's in the ministry of Jesus and blah, 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 forgiveness. Yeah, we know what it means to forgive. But we forget that God is continually calling us to forgive other people. You might be watching this right now and you're thinking about these people. I mean, this is what God does. He just tends to bring to mind all these people that have hurt us that we hold bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness toward. And you might be in a place in your life right now where you're wanting to move forward in your walk with God. You're wanting to grow and mature in your walk with God. Maybe there's some things that you're praying for right now and you just feel like those prayers haven't been answered. You feel like you're hitting a ceiling in certain areas of your spiritual life, but you know in your heart there's people that you're harboring unforgiveness toward. Can I just tell you, 
Man, as soon as we are done here today, pick up the phone, send that text, write that email, write that letter, whatever you have to do, even if the other person isn't yet willing to receive it. Extend forgiveness. Do it generously. Do it liberally. Why? Because it's developing Christ-like character in our life to extend forgiveness generously. God generously forgives us, so we should generously forgive others. Here's the third thing I want to tell you today. Third point, and I'm going to briefly summarize a passage of Scripture. Third point is simply this. Be accessible or give accessibility. Don't be off limits. Don't deny people access to your life. Be accessible. Give accessibility and don't be off limits. You know, Luke chapter 15 is probably my most favorite chapter in the four New Testament Gospels. At the beginning of Luke 15, what we see is that Jesus is encountering these Pharisees and religious scholars who are coming to him and they're judging him because of the people that he's hanging out with. And scripture tells us that Jesus is hanging out with sinners or people of a bad reputation and tax collectors. And sometimes there's prostitutes and other kinds of people who would have a terrible reputation in society coming and wanting to hang out with Jesus. And scripture says that these, these Pharisees, these religious leaders are coming and judging people because of the people that he's hanging out with. And I find this so interesting because Jesus took as much criticism for who he hung out with, probably more so than the things that he taught, because he accepted people into his life. He gave them access. See, Jesus understood that his mission and his purpose was to come and to give his life away. And Jesus understood that his life's mission was to always be on the giving end, the giving end, the giving end. And I think even as Christians, a lot of us, we always find ourselves needing to be on the receiving end of God's blessing rather than be distributors of God's blessing to the world around us. And I want to close with some thoughts about that in just a moment. But here's the thing I want to say to you today. Jesus was criticized for who he hung out with because he gave people access. And a lot of us as Christians, we don't give enough access to our life to other people or even to other Christians. I'll tell you something. I've met Christians in my life that they're like the Bible answer man or the Bible answer woman. You ask them a question about the Bible, Bible trivia, they can quote scripture off the top of their head. They've got the word of the Lord hidden down deep in their heart. And they have become rich reservoirs of God's goodness and God's blessing. But you ask them to, to lead a connect group or to join a team in the church somewhere, and they won't even lift a finger to do that. Because it's all about them. It's always about being on the receiving end. It's always about being blessed rather than trying to be a blessing to other people. And I'm not saying that as a criticism toward anybody or to be hateful at all. What I'm saying is that God doesn't want to just bless us and pour his nature into us so that we can always be on the receiving end. He wants us to learn how to give our life away the same way that Jesus did. Jesus understood his time on earth was limited. So with every single day of his life, he didn't want to just be receiving from God. He wanted to give away that which God was giving to him. And he got so much criticism for it. And I want to just say to every single mature Christian who's watching right now, don't miss out on the opportunities to give your life away, not just outside of the church, but even inside the church to people who need your experience, who need your wisdom, who need your maturity, who need your understanding of the scriptures and your understanding of what a relationship with God looks like. There are so many people that what we do, even in our walk with God, is we become reservoirs where we're just storing up and storing up and storing up and accumulating and building something to where we can say, look how strong of a person I am in God. And we don't realize that God is calling us to give our lives away. I'll tell you something, you will never be criticized for giving access to your life to people who want to grow in God alongside you. You'll never be criticized for that. Why? Because the most Christ-like thing that we can do with everything that God gives to us is to turn around and give it away. 
Jesus understood this. And I want to just say one more time, I know that this is an easy thing to understand in a financial sense, in a material sense, but in a spiritual sense, we don't have centuries on this earth. We're lucky to have a full century living on this earth. Jesus understood that his time on earth was limited, so he chose to give his life away. Don't be a reservoir when it comes to your relationship with God. If you're growing in your walk with God, give away what God's giving to you. Bring some people into your life that you can build into, that you can feed into, and you can be a river of what God is doing, not just a reservoir. You know, I know that during this time of pandemic, with churches, most churches having their doors closed and people not supposed to be gathering together, I really feel like the enemy is using this season where Christians are not gathering together, that they're not meeting, they're not encouraging each other the way that God intended for us to. And I want to just take a moment and tell you, don't make this season, don't allow this season to separate you from other believers and cut those relationships off. If you are growing in God, you have something to give to other people. If God is giving it to you, he wants to get it through you. So learn to not just be a reservoir of God's blessing in that relationship that you have. Be a river, give away what God is giving to you. And I told you There at the beginning of this, the point was be accessible. Give access. Don't be off limits. Be generous in giving people access to your life. At the beginning of Luke 15, you know, Jesus is criticized for who he's hanging out with because he's given access to all these sinful people. Jesus then goes on and tells these Pharisees three stories about what is most important to the heart of God. The first story is the parable of the lost sheep. Then there's the story of the lost coin. And then finally, the story of the prodigal son. Because of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm just going to summarize it for you real quick. But the third story that Jesus tells is the story of the prodigal son, where the father who has wealth and who has riches and who has an estate and is one day going to leave an inheritance to his son. The son comes to his father and he says, Give me what's coming to me. Give me my inheritance now. I want what's coming to me. I want to be on the receiving end now of your blessing. And the father, because he's generous and because he has an abundance, says to him, Okay, I'll give it to you now. And remember, the father in the story of the prodigal son, this is a reflection of the heart of Father God. So he gives the son what he's asking for, and he runs off and he squanders it in sinful ways. And he finally runs out of money, and he reaches the end of his rope and finds that he's having to go to the pigsty to get food. And he says, man, if I just go home, if I just run home to my father, I'll find that my father's got everything that he needs. If he'll just make me one of his servants, at least I'll have three meals a day. And so he goes home and what he discovers is that his father is gracious and he's merciful and he's forgiving. Does that sound familiar? The same thing that we need to be? His father's merciful and forgiving and he welcomes him back in and he goes and he gets the robe and the ring and he says, kill the fatted calf and let's have a party. Let's throw a feast. Why? Because my son that was lost has now been found and he's come home. And so at the beginning, the father is generous. Then the son comes home and he doesn't deserve God's grace. But again, the father is generous and he welcomes him in and he throws the party. But now the other son is jealous and he's upset and he says, I've been here the whole time. I haven't asked you for anything. I haven't squandered your money. I didn't ask for the inheritance and then throw it in the trash. I've been here the whole time and this guy comes home and you're going to throw a party for him? What about me? And suddenly the other son is the one who now wants to be on the receiving end. And the father looks at him and he says, why are you upset? Everything you've ever needed has been here all along. Come and celebrate with us. It's right that we throw this party because our son, my son, your brother that was lost is now found. And so if I'm extending grace to him, then you need to extend grace to him too. And the one thing that stands out to me about this story, because we all know the story of the prodigal son, is we have one son that wants to receive, 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 and the other son that wants to receive, receive, receive. 
always placing themselves in the place to be blessed, not turn around and be a blessing to somebody else. And throughout the story of the prodigal son, the one thing that gets me the most is that at no point does the father ever say, no, I'm going to stop giving because you squandered. No, I'm not going to throw this party because you're not worthy. No, I'm not going to invite you, brother, to be a part of it because you need to celebrate too. Instead, the father just gives and gives and gives and gives, and he never stops to correct. He simply gives and gives and gives. Why? Because the father loves to give. That's who he is. It's a part of his nature, and it's a part of his character. And I want to tell you today that there comes a point when it comes to developing Christ-like character and nature in us that we have a revelation that our life is not about just receiving, receiving, receiving and always being on the receiving end of the blessing. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why? Because when I'm in position to be the giver, I can trust that God is always going to be bringing more into my life. When I lay down those things that I build up as a sense of security, my accumulation, my wealth, my material possessions, when I lay those things down and I kick them off the throne of my life, I'm positioning myself to have God bring new things into my life where I can have bread for food and seed to sow at the same time. God is generous. He gives liberally. God loves to give, and it's the same nature and character that he's wanting to develop in us. I love that story because it tells the truth of the heart of God. In closing, the very last thing I want to say is simply this. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to go and minister. And he says, I want you to go out and heal the sick. And I want you to perform miracles and cast out demons and preach about the kingdom and the gospel of repentance. And he tells the disciples what to do. And he gives them their instructions. And he says these words. He says, freely you have received. Now freely give. What's interesting about that is Jesus is saying, I've given you so much. And guess what? It hasn't, costed you, it hasn't cost you anything to receive from me. So in the same manner that it didn't cost you to receive, go out and give as if it isn't costing you anything either. And he asked them to go out and minister to people who are in need and just give their lives away. Why? He wasn't asking them to do something that he wouldn't do himself. He had already done it freely. I've given and you've received. So freely go and receive, or excuse me, give yourselves. Give your life away the same way that I have to you. And I think we all have to learn that lesson that we love to receive. It's easy to receive. It's easy to receive. But in the same way that it's easy to receive, God wants to grow us to a place where it's easy to give, to be rivers of his goodness, to be rivers of his blessing, and not just reservoirs who are holding it in all for ourselves. Don't drown in the reservoir of things that you're accumulating. Be a river. Be a giver. Let things flow through you when God brings it to you. And again, the Apostle Paul quoted Jesus and he said, it's more blessed to give than receive. The Father in heaven, he never runs out of resource. When he gives it away, he's never worried about where more is going to come from. And I think the thing that Paul and Jesus were trying to tell us is that when we position ourselves as givers, we put ourselves in the river where God can bring it to us to get it through us. We'll have what we need and we can be a blessing to others. He wants to develop that character and that nature in us. Why? Because it's his character and his nature already. I believe that God wants to challenge us. It might be hard to make that first decision to tithe. It might be hard to make that first decision to sow, to forgive, to give more of your life and access to yourself away. But in the middle of those decisions, what you find is that by giving something away, I'm clearing my hands so that God can refill my hands to have what I need and be a blessing again to others. And this is the cycle of life that God wants us to live because God is generous. He's forgiven us. He's given us everything we need. He's given us access to himself. 
So why would we not do the same for others? Amen? Amen. I want to pray a simple prayer with you here in just a moment. Maybe you're here watching right now and you don't have a relationship with God. I want to pray with you as well. But let's just take a moment and just ask God to teach us, to help us, to encourage us, to grow in our generosity. Father, we thank you that you gave everything for us. You've given us everything that we have in life. What do we have that you have not given us? God, we pray today in Jesus' name that you would continue to reveal your nature and your character to us so that we can grow and be transformed more into your image and your likeness. We thank you for everything that you've given. We pray, God, that as we give, you would just continue to clear our hands and provide what we need so that we can be a blessing to others. And as we learn your ways, as we learn what it means to be a river and not a reservoir, where things are getting to us and flowing through us, that we would see your blessing in every area of our life and we would be generous people who serve a generous God. In Jesus' name. And again, you might be watching right now. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. You say, all of that sounds good. I would love to be more generous and I would love to have the blessing of God in my life. I want to tell you something. God loves you so much that the very first thing he did to come into that relationship with you is he gave. He gave Jesus. When we talk about starting a walk with God, it's really just a matter of making a decision to give your life to him because he already gave Jesus for you. Once you've given your life over and handed over lordship of your life, allowing him to come in and lead you and guide you every day of your life. If you'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus, I would love to pray with you. Scripture says the thing that has separated us from God is our sin. It's our imperfection. The reason God sent Jesus was to come to this earth, live the sinless life that we could not, to go to the cross and die the death that we deserved for our sins and our imperfection so that we could be forgiven. After he died that death, God didn't stop there because three days later he raised Christ from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave so that we would not have to face it in eternity. If you'd like to come into a relationship with God, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer to start that journey of walking with God, following Christ. He'll come in and he'll lead you and guide you. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. Would you just repeat these words after me and make them your own? Say, Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth and died for me. I believe that that death was full price for my sin so that I could be forgiven and I could know you in this life and in eternity. So today, I choose you, I make you my Savior and my Lord, and I will walk with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad that you made that decision. It really is the best decision that you could ever make to start following Jesus. We have a simple gift that we want to give you. We'll tell you about, about it more in just a moment. Our service host will tell you how you can get this tool called The Next Seven Days to help you start your walk with God. We're so grateful you made that decision, and we're so glad that you tuned in to be a part of church online today. We hope that we get to see you tonight at our outdoor service because we would love to meet you, especially if you made that decision for the very first time. God bless you. Our service host will give you more information on how you can get The Next Seven Days. We love you. Have an awesome day. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or rededicate your life to Him, we have an amazing gift for you. It's called The Next 7 Days. If you're joining us on YouTube, you can simply click on the feed and find that gift there. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can DM us and type the words Next 7 and somebody from our team will give you that information. We'd like to say thank you so much for joining us today. God has amazing things for you this week. Join us tonight at 6 p.m. for our outdoor service. God bless everybody.